Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me, if you would, to the book of Matthew. First Gospel in the New Testament, Matthew, chapter 27. Matthew, chapter 27. We're going to read quite a, a lengthy passage. We're going to read all the way down to, all the way down to verse 50. <clears throat> from verse 27. This describes what the Lord Jesus Christ went through on the cross. And I need to turn this thing on here. Okay, how's that? Are we on? Okay, are we on? Yes? No? Okay, good. This is the, the week before Resurrection Sunday. It's when our attention really is, is drawn to the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And tonight we're going to observe the Lord's Supper together. And I thought it appropriate to spend some time uh, taking a look at just what was so important about the death of Jesus Christ. And uh, with that in mind, let's all stand together and look with me down in verse 27. You read along silently as I read aloud. And uh, we'll read down to verse 50. It says, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and uh, put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him. And took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that, they had mocked him. They took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall and when he had tasted thereof he would not drink and they crucified him and parted his garments casting lots that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet they parted my garments among them and upon my vesture did they cast lots and sitting down they watched him there and set up over his head his accusation, this, his accusation written, this is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if, if, he, will, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour there were there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour, and about the ninth hour 
Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Let's bow for prayer. Father, I can call you my father this morning because of what was done on that cross, because of the price that was paid, because of the forgiveness of sins that it bought for me and it bought for every person that will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Uh, what we're looking at this morning, a very, very serious subject, and it's a very, very important subject. It's important for us to understand it. It's important for us to believe it. It's important for us to make it personal. And uh, Father, I, I just pray that during, during this time of year and before we partake in the Lord's Supper tonight, that we would just spend some time contemplating just all that you went through and what you did for us on that cross. That should have been me. That should have been every person in here. But yet you took our place. And we're so thankful for the act of forgiveness that you delivered to us because of your death on Calvary's cross. We pray your blessings upon this time together, we pray, Lord, if anyone here or online is listening and does not know for sure if they died today, they go to heaven. They haven't yet made it personal. They might have all the facts crammed into their skull, but they've never cried out to you for mercy and just asked you to be their Savior. I pray that today would be the day they would trust you as Savior. Please have your will and way in, in our, our lives and our hearts this morning as we look at your word. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This is the time of year when, when people are thinking about more so than other times the, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ is brought to, to their attention. When we die, our life is over, and the whole reason why we are put on this earth is so that we might live. But you've got to understand the whole reason why Jesus Christ was put on this earth, God in the flesh, left heaven's throne, took on a human body. The reason why he was put on this earth was not primarily to, to live, but it was to die. And it was to be a sacrifice for our sins. And the, the reason why that is, is because sin uh, demands death. Uh, back in the garden, when, when uh, Adam and Eve partook of the, 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 the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, when they did that, God warned them. He says, in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now, physically, they did not die, but spiritually, they did. And they became dead in trespasses and sins. Before that, they were innocent. But they, but they died and, and became, or they, 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 they died because spiritually on the inside 
and became dead on the inside because of their sin. Uh, go with me, if you would, over to, we're going to do a lot, of, a lot of looking at Scripture this morning. Go to Romans chapter 6. And this is just a, a real basic principle in Scripture that you see reiterated over and over and over again. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. It says, for the wages of sin is death. That's just a, a general principle and a general law. Because sin has been committed, then there is a wage for that sin. And that wage for, that, for sin is death. Not only did spiritual death come to Adam and Eve, but eventually so did physical death. Had they not partaken of that fruit, they would have lived forever. They never would have died. But the wages of sin is death. Go over to chapter 5. And look, at, look with me, beginning in verse 12. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, that was Adam, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Why? Because the wages of sin is always death. Verse 13, For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who was a figure of him that was to come. But now as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so was the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ." Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift, came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. And of course, the disobedience was Adam and the obedience was Jesus Christ. But if you notice in verse 18, it, it says, uh, even, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. But that was only possible because of the death of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8 says, And being found in fashion as a man, speaking of Christ, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. When Christ died on the cross, he died for us, and he was our substitute. He died in our place. There's a song that I heard fairly early in my Christian life, and it's a good song. I, I like it to this day. The song simply says, I should have been crucified. I should have suffered and died. I should have hung on the cross in disgrace. But Jesus, God's son, took my place. 
And the, the, uh, uh, the reason why the, the death of Christ was so necessary was that mankind needed a substitute. And the one who, who took our place was the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and an understanding of the fact that he, he, he uh, uh, offered that substitutionary uh, offering of himself for our sin is so important and so necessary, first of all, for salvation. You've got to understand, you can do nothing to get saved because he did everything for you. He was your substitute. And it's important that a person understand that and then make it personal by trusting Christ as Savior. So it's important for salvation. It's, it's necessary for salvation. Secondly, an understanding of it is also important and necessary for our service once we are saved. You know, I, I realize, uh, you know, we, we, we will never truly be worthy of what the Lord did for us. We'll, we'll never be able to pay him back for what he did for us. It's not possible. We couldn't pay, we couldn't pay to get our own sins removed in the first place. We certainly can't pay, pay our Savior back. But what we can do is we can show gratitude and appreciation for what he's done for us. And I, I really believe this. I believe the, the, the deeper the understanding goes, the more we understand what he's done for us, the more we appreciate him and the more we love him and the more we, we understand how great a price and how necessary uh, a price that he paid for our sins. The, the whole death of Christ was, was planned by God, and it was foretold in the Old Testament. It was foretold, it was foretold in detail. Take your Bibles and turn with me back to the Old Testament book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah comes just before the book of Jeremiah, Isaiah 53. And in Isaiah 53... This is probably one of, of course, there's, there's a whole bunch of them, but this is one that, that I particularly appreciate in the Old Testament. Verses 3 through 8, this is all speaking of what Jesus Christ was going to do on the cross for us. As he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we were esteemed not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. And by the way, let me just say this. With his stripes we are healed. Not talking about physical healing. Within the context, it's talking about iniquities. It's talking about our sin. And you, you, you take the emphasis off of that and you really diminish, you really diminish the, 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 uh, such, such an urgent need that we had for our sins to be paid for and our sins to be forgiven. Look, look with me uh, down on... Um, uh, verse, verse 6, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. 
We have turned everyone to his own way. You know what that is? That's all of sin and comes short of the glory of God. And, and uh, the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of, his, of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his, his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he taken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. And you just look at that, those, those few verses of Scripture, and there is... Uh, there is prophecy after prophecy, and in the life of Christ, you see fulfillment after fulfillment after fulfillment of exactly what the Scripture said would happen. In Daniel chapter 9 and verse 26, it says, And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. Um, you know, the Lord Jesus was, was cut off. His life was shortened. Uh, he was, what, about approximately 33 and a half years old, and that's young. I mean, the older I get, the younger that is, and uh, that's, that's young. But he was, he was, the Bible says he was cut off, not for himself. You know why he was cut off? For you. You know why he shortened his life? For you. You know, you know why he, he died the way he did? Because he bore your iniquity. He bore your sins on the cross. Go with me to, to Psalm 22. Psalm 22. I, I really don't believe that Psalm 22 was fully appreciated for all that it is until after the crucifixion. Because people that either were there or uh, people that read the, the gospel accounts and then looked back to Psalm 22 said, oh, that's what the psalmist was speaking about. But notice the references to the crucifixion. In, in verse 1, it says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? and from the words of my roaring. And again, there is an answer to that question. And the answer is you. The answer is me. The reason why all that took place was because he was our substitute on the cross. Look down in verse 7 and 8. Verse 7, it says, All, all they that see me laugh to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. And when we just read Matthew 27, we read those very words. That's exactly what happened to Jesus Christ. And again, he did that for you and me. Look down at verse 16. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Very specific. And, of course, that was, that was done by crucifixion. Down in verse 18, it says, They part my garments among them and cast lots 
upon my vesture. That was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. They took his, they took his robe and they, they cast lots for that robe. Uh, all those things were fulfilled in Christ, but they were fulfilled because they were planned by God. Uh, not only was his death planned by God, but his death was appointed by God. Uh, go back with me, if you would, to Isaiah 53. Go back to Isaiah 53 and look in verses 6 and 10. Verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Verse 10, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. I have, I have a tough time reading that verse. I, I just do. I don't have a tough time believing it. I understand what it says. And that's one of the reasons why I have a tough time reading it. Because I know why he was pleased. He was pleased for me. He was pleased for you. He knew that if his son did not do that, if Jesus did not give his life, we would all be eternally damned. Because there was nothing that we could do to get forgiveness of sins. Only he could do it for us. And he did that by, by dying on the cross. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Um, there was a, a song, we had a, we had a VBS one year, that uh, focused on the Lord Jesus Christ and his death. <clears throat> and every, every uh, uh, day, Monday night we taught him one verse, Tuesday night we taught him another verse, uh, Wednesday night we taught him another verse, and I think there were a total of five verses that we taught him. And uh, the, the song was, was entitled, Who Killed Jesus? Who Killed Jesus Many Years Ago? Who is Guilty? of a crime so low. Why did he have to die? What is the reason why? Who killed Jesus? I would like to know. And at the end of the song, the answer is, it was really me. It was my sin that put him to the cross. It was your sin and your iniquities that put him, to the, put him on the cross. And in Acts chapter 2 and verse 23, it says, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. In other words, this thing was planned. This thing was, was programmed. There was nothing that was going to dissuade God from going through with his plan. Ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. And that's exactly what they did to Jesus Christ. But understand, they did that, they did that for you. I mean, that wasn't their intent, but he, 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 he uh, went to the cross and was our sacrifice so that we could have forgiveness of sins. What, what's the meaning of the death of the cross? What, what has, the, has his death on Calvary, what has it done for us? Well, first of all, it's given us what the Bible calls atonement. The word atonement is used 77 times in, in your King James Bible. It's only used one time 
in the New Testament and then 76 times in the Old Testament. And what it just simply means is a covering for sin or a payment for sin. You think about it when, uh, I, I don't know if you've ever said this, I know I have, uh, you're, you're out to eat with someone and you've predetermined that you're going to pay the bill and they go to reach for the bill and you say, no, 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 no. I got that, what? I got that covered. What does that mean? You're paying for it. That's what Jesus did for us. He covered it. I find it interesting that it's used 76 times, the word atonement, it's used 76 times in the Old Testament and only one time in the New Testament. And I came to the conclusion, it was used 76 times in the Old Testament because it had to be, it had to be covered and covered and covered and covered and covered and covered and covered until Christ came along and then it was covered once and for all. That's it. No more covering. He's paid the whole price. You know, again, and I, I love our songbook and I love the songs that are in it. And uh, uh, I love that song that says, Jesus paid it all. <laughs> all to him I owe. Because he paid it all. If you're saved, you owe everything that you have to him. Because he paid, he paid the entire price. Romans chapter 5 and verse 11 is the verse that uses that word atonement. And it says, and not only so, but we also enjoy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we now have received the atonement. In other words, it's the, the final and forever covering of sin. Not only was Christ's death and the atonement for us, but it was also something else. Go with me to 1 John chapter 2. And this is one of these words we don't use a lot because we usually get our tangs all tangled when we, whenever we say it, our tongue's all tangled. 1 John chapter 2. And look with me in the first two verses. It says, My little children... These things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now, now who he's speaking to there is obviously speaking to saved people. He's to, speaking to people that have trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Verse 2, and he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of of the whole world. Now, that tells us an awful lot. One of the things it tells us is he didn't just die for a select group of people. He died for everyone. He died for the whole world. And, uh, the, and, and what propitiation is defined as, as the, the appeasement or averting of, of God's wrath and justice by an offering for sin. In other words, because he made himself an offering for sin, we can avert God's justice. We can avert what we deserve. We can avert the wrath of God upon our, 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 our souls for all eternity. Uh, basically, what, what God is saying is this is what your sin cost me. Uh, because the Bible's, Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Uh, take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 3. 
Romans chapter 3. And this all has to do with propitiation, the price that was paid, so that the wrath and the, the judgment of God could be averted. Romans chapter 3, verses 24 and 25 says, Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set, be, has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare the righteousness for the remission of sins that, that are passed through the forbearance of God. It says that, that uh, he gave himself as a propitiation for our sin. That's why the death of Christ was so important. Also, it was important because he was our substitute. Uh, a substitute is simply when one person takes the, the uh, place of another person. But in this particular case, the difference is the person who took our place had to be absolutely, completely, totally innocent. And it was the innocent taking the punishment for the guilty. In fact, back in Isaiah 53, it said exactly that, that, that he bore the punishment for our sins. Uh, John chapter 10 and verse 11 says that the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And that's exactly what the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ did for us. And the thing, the death of Christ, why it was important was for redemption. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. Go to 1 Peter 1. In 1 Peter 1, look with me down in verse 18 and 19. For, for as much as ye know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You realize the, very, the purest thing that's ever been on this earth is Christ's blood. And that pure blood was shed and was shed for you and me so that God could redeem us. Uh, what redemption simply is, is that the, the sinner is in bondage and we're in bondage to sin. And we're bought back to God with the highest, purest, most righteous price. And that price is the blood of Jesus Christ, you know, the sinless blood of Christ. Um, and the reason why, it, it, you know, uh, again, you, you, I've, I've heard people try to diminish the importance of the blood. And they say, well, it's not the blood of Christ that's so important. It's the death of Christ that's important. No, they're both important. If, but, but if he died by strangulation, it would not have been sufficient. And the reason why is the Bible says the life of the flesh is in the blood. That's an Old Testament principle. If you're going to get life, there has to be blood shed for you. If you're going to have eternal life, there has to be blood that is sinless and spotless 
that is shed for your sins. And that's exactly what happened the day that Jesus Christ died on the cross. He paid the ultimate supreme price so we could be bought back, not brought back, but bought back so we could be brought back to God. The other, the other thing that was, another thing that is an uh, important, uh, an importance and a meaning of the death of Christ is reconciliation. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 10, it says, If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. His son caused us to be able to be brought back to God. Um, it makes it real plain in Romans 5 that we were the enemies of God before. But now we can be made friends of God. Why? Because of the death of Christ. Without the death of Christ, we'd still, be, we'd still be at enmity with God. And then the last thing I wanted to look at is the fact that the death of Christ is our ransom. I like that word, ransom. Uh, Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28 says, the, the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And again, that has to do with the, the price of the release of a prisoner. And before a person trusts Christ as Savior, you're being held prisoner by your sin. You are, you are doomed. Uh, Bible says, he that believeth, believeth is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. What is that? That's a prisoner just waiting for the death chamber is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. One of the reasons why I, I get sometimes frustrated with people when you try to witness to them or when I preach and I see lost people not, not respond, I don't get upset because it's me preaching and because they're not responding to my message. It's not it at all. I don't get it. I just don't get it. The whole price was paid. The whole price was paid by a loving Savior, by someone who was willing to leave heaven and take on human flesh. And along with that human flesh, you know, came, came the pains and the sufferings and the, the, the discomforts. He didn't have any of that in heaven. And nobody made him do it. We'll see that in just a minute. But he did it because he just loved us. And when he paid the price, he didn't pay a part of the price. He didn't pay most of the ransom. He paid the whole shot. He paid all of it. And he paid all of it so that you and I could go free. I get frustrated because people are constantly trying to do something to get saved. You can do nothing because he has done everything. He's done it all. And anytime, you know, and I learned this early in my Christian life, anytime we try to add anything to the, the, the price that Jesus Christ paid on that cross, we're basically diminishing what he did. And, and, and what he did was absolutely necessary for the salvation of our souls. Now, how did he die? Well, of course, he died, he died by crucifixion. And uh, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13 tells us why he needed to be crucified the way he did. He hung, he hung on a, a wooden cross. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ hath redeemed us 
from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. He not only took the curse, he was made a curse. The Bible says over in Corinthians that he not only took our sin, but he was made sin for us. And that tells me that on the cross, and you, you get some of this, I think, when you go to Psalm 22 and you, you read uh, the verses about, about what happened. There was a spiritual battle going on when Christ was on that cross. And, and the, the wrath of God was poured out on him. And again, all of that happened because of you and me. And he, he, took, he took that price. He paid that price. He took the punishment that, that, we, should have, that we, should have, we should have taken. But it says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Hangeth on a tree. Uh, his, his, his hands and his feet were pierced, and that was prophesied ahead of time. And understand this, and I, I said this just a moment ago, I'm going to reiterate it. He died willingly. Nobody made him go to the cross. In fact, we read, we read that passage of Scripture that uh, over in Matthew 7, 27. It says, if you be the Son of God, come down from the cross. He couldn't. He wouldn't. Oh, he could have, but he wouldn't. Because had, I'm, I'm so glad he did not do what they asked him to do. Because then my, my sins would not have been paid for. Your sins would not have been paid for. But our sins are paid for because he stayed on that cross. He endured the shame. And he, he, he despised it, but he endured it. He endured it. John chapter 10 and verse 18. Jesus is speaking and he says this. No man taketh it meaning his life. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I don't believe for five seconds that they had to struggle with him when they went to lay him down on the cross. I don't believe anybody had to hold his hand when they put that nail through it. I don't believe that anybody had to hold his feet when they put the nails through it. I don't believe that he squirmed at all when they went to put the, the crown of thorns on his head. He did all of that willingly. Folks, you and I have never had anybody love us that much. Nobody. Nobody's ever loved us that much. Nobody's loved us like God has loved us. Nobody's loved us like the Lord Jesus Christ has loved us. And because of that, we owe him everything. We owe him everything. I don't understand why someone who has not trusted Christ as Savior does not cry out to that kind of a God and ask him to save him. I just, I don't get it. And, and I don't understand why we struggle so many times when God asks us to do things for him, when he's done so much for us. He's given it all for us. What, what was the, the result of him dying on the cross? 1 Timothy 4.10. Who is the Savior of all men. Now notice what it says. It says the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. 
That, that means that there are people tonight that are in hell, even though Jesus Christ was their Savior, but it wasn't appropriated. He was their Savior. He is their Savior, but they can't claim Him because they did not believe on Him while they were here. But it says, who is the Savior of all men? And again, He didn't just come for a select group of people. He came for the entire, entire world. You know, what kind of love does that stir up in your heart for the Savior? Uh, if somebody is under the sound of my voice and they're not saved this morning, uh, how can you look a Savior like that in the face and turn away and not trust Him? The night I got saved, I, I, I remember going through some things in my mind. As a, and I was a teenager. I mean, I was half brain dead already. Uh, I was 17 years old. And uh, um, I remember going through some things in my, in my own heart and mind. And I, I had some background. I knew about his death, his burial, his resurrection. I'd never made it personal. I never trusted him and him alone as Savior. But I can remember thinking it through that night. And I, I didn't get saved because anybody put pressure on me. I didn't get saved. I had been thinking about it for literally for years, probably ever since my mom passed away when I was eight years old. And I was 17 when I got saved. And I, I just came to a conclusion, came to a conclusion. If he loved me that much, why would I want to tell him no? And if he did it all for me, why would I not trust him and receive the gift of eternal life? And, and when you really understand all that he's done, it, it, it shows you that he deserves our trust. He deserves our commitment. He deserves our sacrifice. He deserves our life because of what he has done on the cross for us. If, if, uh, if you're here this morning or you're online this morning, and you have, you might, you might know everything that I've already said, but you've never taken him personally. I was talking with someone just this week about that very thing, and they, they knew all the facts. They had all the information. And I just asked a simple question. I said, have you ever, ever just cried out to God and asked him to forgive you of all your sins based on all that? The person said, no, I never have. Well, you've got to make it personal. You've got to trust Him as Savior. And let me encourage you to make today the day. If you're here this morning and need to trust Christ as Savior, come see me. Or if you've got any doubts in your minds at all, just come right up here. Get my attention. And we'll put you with somebody. And they'll, they'll sit down with the Word of God and try to help you and be a blessing to you. You're here this morning. You're saved. Let me ask you something. Can you say with the Apostle Paul, for me... To live is Christ. Now, if you're saved, I know you can say the last part of it. To die is gain. Uh, you know, we were I was talking with somebody this last week about the, 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 the whole coronavirus thing. And, and I know it's serious with some people. With some it's not. With some it is. You can't determine. Uh, I haven't got it yet. I might get it. I might not get it. I don't know. And somebody was asking me if I was going to get vaccinated and all this other kind of stuff. 
And, uh, and I, I just made a comment. I said, you know, I said, when you think about it, how can somebody threaten me with heaven? <laughs> I can't be threatened by heaven. I really can't. The older I get, the better it looks. Uh, you know, the more I want to go there. Um, but but I, can't be, I can't be threatened. I can't be threatened with heaven. But you know what? Uh, it's good that I'm saved, but my life, what am I going to do with my life? What are you going to do with yours? For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. To, the, to die is gain is settled if you've trusted Christ as Savior. But are you, is your life Jesus Christ? Can I tell you something? In, in, a, in a lot of ways, if you think about it, his life was you. Because the whole reason he came to this earth was you. He lived because of you and he died because of you. It's just reasonable that for us to live is Christ. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heads bowed, eyes closed. No one looking around. I want to ask you a couple of questions. Number one, are you saved? You know for sure if you died today that you go to heaven. If you know that for sure, because you can look back to a time in your life when you trusted Christ and Him alone as your personal Savior. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder if you just raise your hand up as a testimony to that fact. Say, Pastor, here's my hand. I know I'm saved, man. I, I'm, I'm absolutely positive because I've trusted Him as Savior. All right, thank you. Put your hands down. Is there anyone that would be here be just as honest and say, I have doubts. I wonder. I'm not sure. I don't know for sure. I, I, I wonder about it. Would you please pray for me? I won't point you out. I won't say your name if I know it, and even if I, yeah, I, I, I won't in any way embarrass you. That's not the point. Is there anyone here just by an uplifted hand to say, Pastor, here's, here's my hand. I, I've got some concerns in that area. Pray for me. All right, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand now, but let me just ask you to fill in the blank. For me to live is... You know, for a lot of us, it's family. For a lot of us, it's job. For a lot of us, it's entertainment. But if you're saved, it ought to be Jesus Christ because he lived and died for you. Father, I'm so thankful for the fact that you gave all so... So we could get all. Um, you were bruised for my iniquities. You were, you were wounded for my transgressions. What a God we serve. What a God we serve. I pray for anyone within the sound of my voice that's not saved this morning. They might see their need and trust you and you alone as their Savior. I pray, Lord... For anyone that's within the sound of my voice this morning whose life is not defined by Jesus Christ because you gave it all for us. Lord, work in this invitation. Work in our hearts. And as you speak to our hearts and you bring things to attention, help us to, to take care of them today. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.